Okay, testing, testing, just seeing that this works. Uh, I think it does, hopefully. So that's good. Okay, well, hi. I, I might leave this part in, I don't know. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll just see what happens. Um, so hi, my name is Charlie Stone, and this is the Whatever Podcast. I hope that you've had a great week, uh, as I am releasing this on Saturday, so I really hope you had a good week, uh, and I hope that, you know, it will be made even better by this. Um, you know, if, if, if you're somebody who likes to learn and maybe have a chuckle or two, I think this might help. Uh, I, I really hope it does. Um, this week, I'll be talking about one of my favorite cryptids, Bigfoot and his cousins, Yeti, Skunk Ape, and various other huge hairy guys who live in the woods, or on top of a mountain, or stuff like that. Um, I think I should clarify what this is. Uh, this is a field lab for college credit, um, where I create a podcast by myself. Um, I, I write everything, I record everything, I edit it by myself, I do the social media aspect, um, which I'm still working on. Uh, I, I'm in the middle of creating a website right now so that I can show you guys the, um, the work that goes into this and the show notes and stuff, uh, which, which is just all of the sources that I used uh, to make this episode. And, and there are a lot. Uh, and I can't put them all in the episode description because there are just too many. Um, so, yeah, I have to get 120 hours on this podcast. And I don't, I don't know if you, you know, are, are a math person, but that's a few hours. Um, and so what I'm doing now is I'm adding more time to the time that I need. Uh, and I hope you're comfortable with tangents because we might get into several of them. And I don't know how long this episode is going to be. I don't know how long every episode is going to be. But, uh, you know, I, it, it, it's, it's what it is. Um, and I hope, I hope that it's good. I, I, I hope that you enjoy it. Um, so I've, I've done enough talking off script. Uh, and I do have everything written down here. I'm not, I'm not doing all this off the cuff. Um, so let's, let's just get into it, huh? I know you are you are begging for Bigfoot information, uh, and you want to know if he's real or not, and that's that's what I'm trying to get at in this episode. All right, so here we go. Uh, first of all, I think we should start with what a cryptid is uh, for people who don't know. Uh, if you're my age, I'm I'm 22. You're probably at least tangentially familiar with the online sensation that was Pop Tropica, uh, which would I would play in computer lab in elementary school. Um, and I don't think we ever learned anything about computers. I, I do remember doing a little bit of stuff on uh, Microsoft Paint. Um, like editing and putting in pictures and stuff. Uh, and I think that was the most we ever did learning about computers. We did, we did the fast math stuff where it was a chart and you'd do as much math as you could. And then you'd get rewards based on how much math you did. We did that. Um, but that was really a game, right? Um, so Pop Tropica, it was, it was awesome it, it, because you could customize a little guy or a girl, um, that would flip and jump around all different 
uh, islands with themes like um, what what was there uh, like spies spy island was one of my favorites uh, Greek mythology reality TV and there was one about cryptids and <laughs> I probably played this three or four times because I loved it so much because it it dealt with um, supernatural stuff and I I love the supernatural I'm I'm a fan of horror movies I like going to haunted houses and stuff although you know uh, people always put me in the front because they see me as a shield um, and that that's kind of why I like Bigfoot because if, if you know me I'm a pretty large fella uh, I'm a, almost six and a half feet tall pretty broad uh, I've got a, a decent amount of facial hair so you know, uh, I, I feel a certain kinship to Bigfoot. Um, I Back to the subject of Pop Tropica, I, I still remember um, being jump scared by the Jersey Devil, uh, who we'll probably cover on this podcast because that mythology is just so interesting. Um, I did get my sisters uh, both with that jump scare because they didn't know it was coming. And my youngest sister was traumatized for several years of her life um <laughs> by the jersey devil um so that's fun uh anyway the the point of the island was to find animals who could not be explained by silence uh sorry science like the loch ness monster and el chupacabra to name a few um the science of cryptids is called cryptozoology and is defined as, quote, the study of unknown, legendary, or extinct animals whose existence or survival to the present day is disputed or unsubstantiated. Uh, and that's from the Oxford English Dictionary. So basically what we're dealing with is a creature that science can't really explain. Um, and if it is real, there's no solid proof. So <clears throat> with this definition... I'm going to take a second. With this definition in mind, <laughs> we should check out what we know about Bigfoot before doing research. I'm writing this part. Uh, this I wrote this part before I did any uh, big boy research of any kind. Uh, this is based off of what I know from pop culture. Uh, Bigfoot, or Sasquatch, is an American uh, slash Canadian creature that lives in the woods. It has lots of body hair, huge feet, um, that's where the name comes from. Uh, usually when people see it, uh, it's about eight feet tall with long arms and it reeks. That That's pretty consistent with every Bigfoot sighting that people get close to. Uh, it smells really bad. Uh, when people claim to have interacted with a Bigfoot, it's almost always walking upright on two legs, uh, which makes it weirder because that eliminates a lot of animals that it could be. Um... It's elusive, shy, and sometimes it gets aggressive when approached. Some people think that there are more than one Bigfoot, as in big feet, plural. Um, there are several blurry photographs of Bigfoot, most of which are definitely fake, and lots of movies about Bigfoot, um, all of which are definitely fake. Um, I did watch a movie that was surprisingly good. Uh, it stars Sam Elliott, um, one of the classic cowboys of our time. Uh, it's called The Man Who Killed Hitler and Then the Bigfoot. Um, and the movie is exactly what you'd think from the title. Uh, Sam Elliott was in World War II. He killed Hitler. 
And then uh, he's contracted by the Canadian government to go out and hunt Bigfoot. Um, and it goes pretty well for him. Uh, he, he does kill Bigfoot. I, I, don't, I don't know why. I mean, there's no real reason, but he does it. Uh, so, yeah, that's, that's a movie that, I don't know, maybe you want to go check out uh, The Man Who Killed Hitler and then The Bigfoot. I saw it on Hulu. Maybe it's still there. I don't know. Uh, where was I? Oh, yeah. There have been several attempts to find Bigfoot, mostly by people who call themselves experts in the field of Bigfoot finding. Um, but over the course of 12 seasons of Finding Bigfoot, the show... To the best of my knowledge, they never found Bigfoot. Excuse me. Um, there are also multiple different versions of Bigfoot all around the world, like the Yeti, uh, the Big Muddy Monster, the Swamp Ape, Sasquatch, and various other huge hairy man creatures. Could Bigfoot be the missing link between man and monkey? Could every sighting be a hoax? Uh, and this concludes the part where I didn't do research, so I guess we're going to find out. You're going to find out, because uh, I, I already kind of know um, all this stuff, because I, I wrote it down. Uh, I did the research. Okay, uh, th this is where it starts to get interesting, right off the bat. Um, the first mentions of the North American Bigfoot come from Native American legend, but since most tribes didn't really write down their myths and legends, because they didn't have a written language... Stories were passed down orally. Uh, when European settlers got to North America, they started writing down the myths and legends they got from the natives. Uh, according to an article I found from the News Tribune, written by Craig Saylor, uh, it details several large hairy man legends from different tribes all over North America. Uh, for instance, the Kwakiutli, I think, uh, people of the Pacific coast of Canada in the Discovery Islands described the, oh boy, Zunokwa, Zunokwa, a large hairy monster living on Vancouver Island that would steal children who ventured out at night. The uh, Muckleshoot people of present-day Washington State told stories about the famous Sasquatch, um, a mythical entity that could put people to sleep and love to steal salmon. Another muckleshoot legend is Slapu, a hairy ogress, also called the Snail Woman. She steals and eats naughty children, serving as sort of a boogeyman-type figure. Now, I, I don't know why she was called the Snail Woman. I am just as confused as you are. Uh, if you do know, definitely let me know. Um, I would love to figure that out. Uh, in California, at the Tool River Reservation, there is a rock shelter called Painted Rock. On the walls and ceilings are pictographs, which are essentially ancient Native American art that tells us in the modern day what they cared about or what their world looked like. While all of this is cool by itself, there is something included in the photographs that interested me. Uh, among the tales of how the world came to be, there are also pictographs of what experts and lore say is the, quote, hairy man. Uh, but hairy man isn't alone. He appears to have a wife and children, indicating that there were multiple of his species. The Yokuts people tell a story which was translated in 1975 called, quote, Bigfoot the Hairy Man, which is, you know, a bit on the nose. 
Uh, in this legend, Bigfoot, who was a giant with long, flowing hair, would eat animals that intended harm to the people nearby. Th- this didn't mean that Bigfoot wasn't dangerous. If he couldn't find any food, like bears and wolves and stuff, he'd go after any children in the area and leave no trace. He'd eat the bones, too. Uh, because so many ancient civilizations had different, yet similar depictions of large, wild men, it leads me to believe that there might have been some, you know, credence to the Native American claims of a non-human creature in the wilds of North America. Um, so I, I did a lot of research on the Native American stuff, and it's, it is hard to find. Um, it, some of it exists in websites and stuff on the internet, but man, there's just a lot that isn't there or, uh, it was blocked by my school's wifi. Um, which is a whole nother issue. I won't get into that right now because I'll get upset. Uh, it's really dumb. Um, so let's get a little more modern. Uh, in January of 1811, David Thompson, a Welsh Canadian explorer and surveyor was traveling along the, Athabasca, Athabasca River in Alberta, Canada. While he and his posse were walking along the river, they came upon tracks that justifiably confused them. Uh, from Thompson's journal, this is a large quote. <clears throat> January 7th, 1811. Continuing our journey in the afternoon, we came on the track of a large animal. The snow was about six inches deep on the ice. I measured it. Four large toes, each of four inches in length, to each a short claw. The ball of the foot sunk four inches lower than the toes. The hinder part of the foot did not mark well. The length, fourteen inches by eight inches in breadth, walking from north to south and having passed about six hours. We were in no humor to follow him. The men and the Indians would have it to be a young mammoth, and I held it to be the track of a large old grizzled bear. Yet the shortness of the nails, the ball of the foot, and its great size was not that of a bear, otherwise that of a very large old bear, his claws worn away. This the Indians would not allow. Uh, He mentions the tracks again in his journal when remembering this trip uh, several months, years later. Quote, As the snow was about six inches deep in depth, and the track was well-defined, and we could see it a full 100 yards from us. This animal was proceeding from north to south. We did not attempt to follow it. We had no time for it. And the hunters, eager as they are to follow and shoot every animal, made no attempt to follow this beast. For what could the balls of our fowling guns do against such an animal? Report from old times had made the head branches of this river and the mountains in the vicinity the abode of one or more very large animals, to which I never appeared to give credence. For these reports appeared to arise from the fondness for the marvelous so common to mankind. But the sight of the track of that large beast staggered me, and I often thought of it, yet never could bring myself to believe such an animal existed, but thought it might be the track of some monster bear. So he, uh, David Thompson, that's his name, right? David Thompson firmly believed that this was the track of a bear, but uh, he, he wasn't a fool. He mapped around 2 million square miles across North America and has been called 
the greatest practical land geographer that the land has produced, according to a book written about him called David Thompson's Narrative of His Explorations in Western America, 1784 to 1812. Um, and my point is, you don't get a super long and convoluted book about yourself by being a chump. That's all I'm saying. Now, you could argue that people were more superstitious back in the 17th century, but Thompson was, by all accounts, you know, a very practical guy. Uh, in that general entry, he even says that he doesn't really believe that something lives up in the mountains near Athabasca, but even still, the tracks freaked him out a little bit, just because he couldn't understand what made him. So, a few years later, on July 3rd, 1884, an article was published in the Daily Colonist, a newspaper in Yale, British Columbia, about a creature with hair all over its body and walking on two legs, much like a, you know, a tradi traditional Bigfoot. The creature was found by some train tracks unconscious, uh, and it, the article didn't really say why it was unconscious. Maybe it fell down, or maybe it got into some hooch. I don't know. When the men who found it tried to corner it, it ran, but was captured when one of the men hit it in the head with a rock. Uh, reportedly, the creature was brought to Yale and held in captivity for a time and was fed berries and fresh milk, which it really liked. According to descriptions of the creature, it stood about 4 foot 7 inches and was covered in dark, glossy hair, except for its hands and feet. After being mentioned in this article in 1884, Jacko, as the creature was called, all but disappeared from history. And this led people to theorize about whether or not this story was just a hoax. Uh, this is certainly a possibility, uh, but other people think that Jacko was bought by the famous circus guy, uh, P.T. Barnum. Uh, and maybe he was used in a freak show all around the country, although this theory has been squashed since apparently there's no real proof either way. Um, and like I said, there's not a whole lot online either way about Big Feet. Um, most of it is just theory and supposed sighting. So uh, take all of this information with a grain of salt. Uh, skipping forward a few years... Apparently, 1924 was a good year for ape-man sightings because there were two alleged encounters with multiple creatures, which all resembled the classic depic depictions of Bigfoot. Uh, the first alleged sighting was reported on July 16, 1924. A group of miners were exploring an area of Mount St. Helens called Ape Canyon, and I'm not sure if it was already called Ape Canyon or if this sighting gave it its name. The miners were looking for gold in the canyon, but they were pelted with rocks. Uh, they looked up at the top of the canyon and saw a bunch of shadowy figures hurling stones at them. The miners shot up at the figures they called mountain demons, who then ran away. Although these could have been Sasquatches, there are popular theories that say local youths who were staying on the mountain were just throwing pieces of pumice stone into the canyon without knowing that there were miners down there. Um, but from the miner's point of view, these shadowy figures could have been, you know, actual non-human creatures. Uh, one of the miners was quoted as saying the figures were extra-dimensional entities, but that's a little more, you know, out there as far as theories go. Um, at another point that year, it's not really clarified. Albert Osman, a lumberjack from Canada, was camping in Vancouver and awoke for multiple nights in a row to find that someone or something had disturbed his campsite during the night. One night, he heard the thing approaching his campsite, and 
it came into his tent. He pretended to be asleep, and the thing picked him up in his sleeping bag and carried him for a while. By the way he was being carried, he could tell that whatever was carrying him in his sleeping bag was walking on two legs. The journey was very uncomfortable, I, I think that's needless to say, and when he was set down, uh, he saw what had brought him to that place. Strap in. It was a large, hairy man, but he wasn't alone. There was also a large female, a small male, and another small female. In other words, it was a whole Bigfoot family staying in Canada. Excuse me. So Ostman stayed there for a few days, plotting his escape, and was able to make it out when the patriarch of the family ate the uh, snuff from Ostman's bag and got sick. Um, between you and me, I'm not really sure what snuff is. I've seen it in cartoons and stuff from the 30s and 40s. Um, and I think it's some sort of tobacco product uh, that you sniff, I guess. Um, but I have no idea what it really is. Um, <clears throat> so the big, big foot got sick. He, uh, Ostman made it back to civilization, but understandably, when he told his story to people, nobody believed him. It could be that he made the whole thing up, but if he was right and there are multiple big feet in the wilds of North America, this could mean that every sighting that people have had was legitimate. Okay. In 1930, a few years later, J.W. Burns published a collection of stories about wild hairy men in the Canadian wilderness, and this is the first mention of the word Sasquatch. Sasquatch is the Anglicanized version of the word Sasquets, which literally translates to wild man or hairy man uh, in Native American tongue. I forget which tribe it came from, but it, it was a tribe from uh, Canada. Oh, no, I have it written down here. Uh, this word comes from the huh, Stylus First Nation, uh, who J.W. Burns worked with in order to learn more about their culture. I think. Uh, it doesn't... It, 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 doesn't really say why he was making that book and I doubt it was from the kindness of his heart um, if I read this correctly he was a uh, colonist who was doing it so I don't I don't know what his real motives were <clears throat> in 1958 uh, much much later and there were sightings between you know uh, 1924 and 1958 I, I, there were just so many um, in 1958, a road construction crew kept finding oddly large footprints around the site. Humboldt County, California, was home to Jerry Crew, the man who took plaster casts of the huge footprints, uh, which were said to be like 18 inches long and 17 inches wide, I think. In an article by Andrew Gonzoli in the Eureka Times Standard, the journalist first coined the term Bigfoot, which has stuck ever since. Uh, so this is the original Bigfoot story. And I think I read in the same article that I got this from that uh, the guy who faked the footprints um, came out to his family on his deathbed that he had faked the footprints. Um, so I think that's fake. Don't quote me on that, though. Um, Bigfoot sightings continued all over North America, parts of Russia and Asia for years, and honestly... You know, like I said earlier, there are just too many to go into detail about. 
The biggest evidence of Bigfoot came in 1967 with something cryptozoologists call the Patterson-Gimlin film, which is that famous 15-second video shot by Robert Robert Patterson, not Pattinson, and Bob Gimlin showing what looks like a Bigfoot striding with its long arms and swinging. You know the footage I'm talking about. It's the real grainy... um, it's it's the famous depiction of Bigfoot where it's just kind of like walking across the screen and that's it. Um, so on October 20th, 1967, the two men were at a creek in Bluff Creek, California, where they saw a large gorilla-like creature walking on two legs. Patterson, an amateur photographer, got some footage while Gimlin rode across the creek to try and investigate. By the time he got across, the creature had strolled into the woods. While skeptics take this video with many, many grains of salt, under scrutiny, experts can't really find a zipper or any telltale signs that the footage was faked. But this has changed changed since. Uh, As realistic as it looked, it turns out that the most convincing evidence for Bigfoot's existence is most likely a hoax. In 2004, The Making of Bigfoot, The Inside Story was published, and it detailed the quote-unquote real story. It turns out that a man named Bob Hieronymus was paid $1,000 by Bob Gimlin to put on the Bigfoot suit and traipse around. Hieronymus claims that the suit was made of fur and horse leather, and that it was really miserable to work in. For what it's worth, the costume seems really well done, because no experts could find any evidence of it being a costume. And when I watched the footage, I couldn't really see anything either. But, you know, I'm not an expert. Uh, Of course, the footage is super grainy and shaky, which lends it the ability to suspend disbelief. With that, uh, I would like to examine all of the monsters in North North America that could be Bigfoot. And then we'll go global. How's that sound? Good? All right. So, first one. The... The Falk monster? Falk monster? Something like that. Uh, It's also known as the Jonesville monster, uh, also known as the Southern Sasquatch, also known as the Boggy Creek monster. And let me just say, the Southern Sasquatch uh, is a sick wrestling name. So if you're a big hairy dude that's in amateur wrestling, Southern Sasquatch uh, would be the perfect name for you. Okay. Listen to me right now. If you don't trademark the Southern Sasquatch, I'll do it eventually. Um, I'm from Tennessee. That I, I could do that. So watch out. So the Falk monster was first sighted in 1908 near Falk, Arkansas. This monster resembles Bigfoot almost to a T. Uh, it's about seven feet tall, covered in hair or fur with an ape-like face. No photographs exist of the Falk monster, although they're has been evidence of an abnormally large semi-human tracks around Arkansas. The Falk Monster also inspired a now classic horror movie, The Legend of Boggy Creek, which actually did quite well in its opening. The website I found was very vague on this, but Otis Williams of The Temptations might have seen the Falk Monster one night in 1967, but again, there's no real proof of that. Um, And I have been saying... F-O-U-K-E, Falk Monster. Don't get that twisted. 
Uh, next we have the Honey Island Swamp Monster. Uh, it's like Bigfoot, but from Louisiana, which makes it cooler. Uh, the Honey Island Swamp is no stranger to odd things happening in it, from gang violence in the early 20th century to Rougarou sightings. And uh, Rougarou is sort of like a, um, a French werewolf. It's a shapeshifter that can turn into a wolf thing. Uh, it's pretty interesting. We might get into that later. Um, but the Honey Island Swamp Monster is the most profitable thing to come out of Honey Island. Like most Bigfoot offshoots, it's a seven to eight foot tall creature covered in hair, and it has weird eyes that glow red or yellow, you know, depending on the story. Uh, next, we have Skunk Ape, also known as Stink Ape, also known as the Miyaka Ape, also known as the Miyaka Skunk Ape, which, <laughs> come on, guys, just come up with one name, and that'll be it. That'll be it. Uh, you don't have to have four names that are essentially the same thing. Also, the Stink ape was what they called me in high school. <clears throat> well, uh, of course, Florida would have a Sasquatch because I guess they don't have enough weird stuff going on down there. Uh, skunk ape is Bigfoot, but from the Everglades, and reportedly it stinks. Uh, apparently, skunk ape, which, you know, it stinks, is much like Sasquatch in that the Native American tribes from the area, the Seminoles and Mikasuki. Uh, told stories about a huge, hairy, wild man living in the swamps of Florida. There's not really any empirical proof, like most Bigfoot sightings, but Florida people are going to believe what Florida people believe. Um, if you haven't been on the um, Florida man train where a bunch of weird stories come out of Florida and they're all about, you know, seemingly one Florida man that just does insane stuff, um, I think this might be this this case because a monster from from florida is going to do weird weirder stuff than normal monsters i think uh and that's just you know that's just theory on my part well i guess we'll see if we ever find out if bigfoot is real or like skunk ape or whatever okay uh next we have Grassman, aka the minerva monster the Grassman was first sighted in the modern age near minerva ohio uh that's where it got its name and seems to be like most other versions of Bigfoot. Usually in reports, this creature is peaceful until provoked, with few exceptions. It's six to seven feet tall, weighing in about 500 pounds, with long arms, a monkey-like face, and covered in fur or hair. Again, Native Americans in the Ohio area told stories about these things living in the Ohio grasslands, which I guess is the origin of the name Grass Man. Okay, uh, last American Bigfoot monster... Uh, the Mogollon Monster. Uh, this creature is often spotted on the Mogollon Rim, which is a massive 2,000-mile-long rock formation that spans most of Arizona and isn't far from the Grand Canyon, actually. Like the others, the Mogollon Monster is a 7- to 8-foot-tall hominid, uh, which just means a thing that isn't human walking on two legs that kind of looks human. Hominid. I will be using that later. <clears throat> with hair all over its body and an ape-like face. Apparently, it also smells bad and has been spying on campers who come to the region. Now, I wouldn't want to camp in the Arizona wilderness already um, because that seems like prime, like the prime place for aliens. Um, and personally, I would love to know if aliens exist, but I wouldn't want to get abducted because... Most abduction stories 
if not all of them, are uniformly terrible. Um, nothing really good happens to you when you're taken by aliens because it seems like they're very curious about how human bodies work and they want to know what it looks like on the inside. Um, so why would you camp in the Arizona wilderness in the first place? It, I, I just don't understand. Anyway, there are hundreds of sightings a year of what people claim are one of these monsters and many others who are extremely popular in small local areas. So what do they all have in common? Well, uh, from these accounts, they're all really big. They sort of look like gorillas, and most of them smell bad. And they all have roots in Native American mythology. Could Bigfoot be roaming the country constantly, making itself known to natives of 49 out of 50 U.S. states? Um, for clarification, the only state which Bigfoot hasn't made an appearance is, uh, in is Hawaii. I guess he's not a strong swimmer. Um... Although Bigfoot is a sensation in, in the United States, other countries claim to have large hairy creatures who roam desolated areas and sometimes make themselves known. The most famous of these examples is the Yeti, or Abominable Snowman, of the Himalayan mountains in Nepal. Now, the Himalayas are an inherently mysterious region, with the highest mountain in the world, Mount Everest, being home to hundreds of dead bodies of explorers who tried to brave the an inhospitable climate. The Sherpa people are some of the only humans who have gotten used to the altitude and the cold since some communities live in and around the Himalayas. Uh, through the Sherpas, the Western world has come to learn about the Yeti, which some people consider to be a nature spirit of some sort. Uh, accounts of the Yeti all say that the creature walks on two legs and is covered in hair, which ranges from brown to gray or white in color. Different accounts say that the Yeti has fangs and claws, and some accounts have the Yeti at 10 to 15 feet tall, which would be, uh, frankly, terrifying. Um, most importantly, accounts of Yeti sightings make it out to be more aggressive than its North American cousin. Ancient tales of the Yeti say that it would attempt to get into the houses of people living on the mountain to kill and eat the residents. In 1951, British explorer Eric Shipton found tracks on Mount Everest, which appear appeared to have come from a large hominid or something very big walking on two legs. Much like Bigfoot, most evidence of the Yeti comes from footprints, except for one notable exception. Sir Edmund Hillary, an explorer from New Zealand, became the first Western man to reach the summit of Mount Everest. While he was in the mountains, he visited, visited monasteries of Buddhist monks, uh, where he found something interesting. In one of the monasteries, monks had a large hairy scalp in a case. When Hillary brought the scalp down the mountain to, for examination, he was disappointed to find out that it belonged to a sarrow, a goat-like goat creature. No conclusive evidence has been found in relation to a yeti, but cryptozoologists have not given up hope yet. The Himalayas are still largely unexplored, so who really knows if the Yeti is actually lurking there or not. And also a side note, <laughs> I don't know how he got that scalp out of that monastery. I assume that he probably just took it, but <sighs> the altruistic part of me wants to believe that he paid for it and he said that it he would bring it back, but I just don't know. And that that's really a... It's kind of a sucky thing to do, Edmund Hillary. 
sure, you're you're the first Western guy to reach the summit, but did you have to steal the Bigfoot scalp? I don't know. A little bit south of the Himalayas, China has their own unexplained huge hairy hominid. The Yeren, or wild man in the native tongue, is a large ape-like creature covered in long red hair. Unlike the Yeti, the Yeren is usually more docile and curious, while the Yeti is often depicted as hostile. Large footprints and hair have been found, although there has not been any conclusive evidence of the Yeren's existence. In traditional Chinese folklore, there are several mentions of a creature that could be the Yeren, like Feifei, which was first mentioned in the 4th century BCE, and is described as something resembling a man, but with large hair down its back, with a propensity to run fast and eat folks. Here's a passage from a compilation of Chinese legends written in the 850s CE. Now, this this is really wacky, uh, so I want you to prepare yourself. I, I don't think that you can prepare yourself for this, um, because it's truly just so random. Um, but... Uh, here we go. <clears throat> if you drink the blood of the Feifei, you will be able to see ghosts. It is so strong that it can shoulder 1,000 catties, which is a unit of measuring mass. Its upper lip always covers its head. Its shape is like that of an ape. It uses human speech, but it sounds like a bird. It can foretell life and death. Its blood can dye things dark purple, and its hair can be used to make wigs. Legends say that it has heels facing backwards, and hunters say that it has no knees. Now, this is not to discourage or um, smear Chinese culture in any way, but the description of this creature sounds like something me and my cousins would make in a in like a uh, Mad Libs book on a long car trip. Uh, this does not make any sense to me. What does its upper lip have to do with anything? Why can its blood allow me to see ghosts? I'm so confused. Uh, in Australia, the Yowie is a an eight-foot wild man covered in hair. In Indonesia, the Orang Pendek is the small cousin of the hairy wild men all over the world, standing at just between 2.5 and 5 feet tall. There have been sightings from Russia as well, but this may just be the Yeti walking along the Himalayan chain. Hair and plaster casts of footprints have been sent in for examination. Um, now, this is interesting. Uh, most of the hair sent in, uh, some of it couldn't be identified just because it was old or damaged. Um, a lot of it was bear hair, uh, some was horse hair, some was human hair, um, but nothing that scientists couldn't, um, define because it was mysterious. It was mostly all just because it was old and damaged. Um, there's also a thing that happens when bears are walking on two legs, which sometimes they do, um, where they will walk close to the step they just took and their two footsteps will form sort of a big humanoid looking print and the claws of the foot will like make toe prints um and i i think this has been proven um before but 
I could be wrong. I, I did read this in a uh, Bigfoot research page. So, yeah, it, it could be bears. <clears throat> now it's time for a segment called What Could It Be? Oh, Harold, what could it be? I just don't know. The most oft-cited explanation for what these huge hairy guys really are uh, are just common bears. Sometimes American black bears will stand on their hind legs, and this seems out of place. People's brains really are amazing things. They can fill in gaps in memory, sight, and understanding, so when a normally four-legged animal stands up on two legs, the human brain will make that thing look more human. Not to mention that the average male American black bear can be around 600 pounds and 7 feet tall. Sound like anyone we know? There are reports of black bears reaching 1,000 pounds and growing much larger. So, who knows? Uh, the black bear's larger and exponentially more dangerous cousin, the grizzly bear, can also stand on its hind legs like a person and can reach a truly startling nine feet tall. Bears exist in North America, South America, Asia, and Europe, and could account for sightings of huge hairy hominids all over the world, except for in Australia, Africa, and Antarctica. Bears can also get mange, which makes their hair fall out or remain in patches. A hairless bear is one of the oddest and most startling things in nature. Um, so a mangy bear could quite possibly be mistaken for a monster. If you've never looked up what a bear with mange looks like, um, I can only say be careful because a bear, a hairless bear is just, it, it's so out of place because bears are shaped like huge hairy friends. Um, and I know, I know in my brain that if I approached a bear, it wouldn't end well for me. I know that I'd die, but I just want to, I just want to get up in there and hug them. I just want to hang out with a bear for a while. If I could miniaturize a bear and have it to be like the size of a cat, like a, a like a house cat, and it wouldn't grow any bigger than that, um, that would be ideal for me. If I could have a tiny little uh, fully grown bear in my home, and he's just sitting on the couch and going, <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, Nigel, <laughs> we do have nachos. That would be ideal. Man, if we lived in a perfect world. Anyway, another proposed possibility for Bigfoot could be escaped apes, which can walk on two legs and look close enough to humans for the mistake to be understandable under the right circumstances. In countries like Nepal and in other places in Asia, monkeys and apes exist in the wild, so this would be more plausible, like in the case of the urine. It could explain the Yeti, but a species of ape is probably not going to thrive in an ice-cold environment like that. In the U.S., this would be more of a stretch, considering that there are no species of ape that lives naturally within North America. But it could be, technically it could be possible that apes escaped from a zoo or like a traveling circus kind of deal and managed to thrive. But this is a very, very remote possibility. Um, sources that I saw claim that maybe apes could live in Florida and in areas of the south with um, with swampland and a lot of trees and stuff. But again, that that's that's very remote. It's it's not likely. 
of course, people have theorized that every piece of evidence for Bigfoot has just been a hoax by humans, and, you know, Bigfoot could very well just be a hermit, a hermit wandering around in the woods. But this is the least imaginative explanation, so I like it less than the other ones. My favorite, however, is this one. Could these hairy hominids be species thought to be ex- extinct by the scientific world? Experts have asserted that Sasquatch could be the long-gone species Gigantopithecus blackie, which left bones in caves in southern China around 2.6 million years ago, and possibly other areas of Asia, although there's less evidence of this. Archaeologists think that Gigantopithecus could have been about 9 feet tall, and it ranged between 400 and 600 pounds. Gigantopithecus shares some ancestry with orangutans, so it probably had hair all over its body, and the teeth found suggest uh, an herbivorous or omnivorous diet, uh, meaning that these giant ape guys went around in the woods eating plants and maybe fish and stuff and minding their own business. The problem for this large hominid being Sasquatch is the clear location disparity. Gigantic Gigantopithecus could account for the Yaren or the Yeti, but probably not Bigfoot or Sasquatch. Other ancient creatures have been found and thrown in the ring for identification uh, of Bigfoot, such as Homo erectus and Neanderthals, but these guys didn't live in North America either, although theoretically they could have crossed a land bridge at some point like the original Native Americans did a long, long time ago. I personally, I like this theory because... It reminds me of the Loch Ness Monster and all of her cousins all over the world um, that live in, like, lakes in the U.S. and stuff. Um, People think that some aquatic dinosaurs managed to survive for thousands, if not millions of years and are still lurking in small bodies of water. Not saying, you know, that couldn't happen, but I'm not a scientist and I am in no way qualified to give you a definite answer. Oh, that's what it was. Well, I hope you liked the show, and I like the idea of breaking this information up with different segments where I go into specific ways of looking at things or other stuff, I don't know. If you do have suggestions for segments or topics for the Whatever Podcast, please do send them into charlesstone075 at gmail.com. That's charlesstone075 at gmail.com. I would appreciate any input, whether it be ideas or constructive criticism. I I really don't know if this will be the uniform length for episodes. I think they'll be different across the board, but I guess we'll see. Um, make sure to like the podcast and subscribe on Spotify so that you get notifications when episodes come out. I really do appreciate you listening, and I hope you have a good week. Until next time, it's whatever. <laughs>